Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. All right, welcome. Friday edition of the show, TGIF. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here coming to you from the PAXA studios. I'm sitting across the table from my man, Brian McKinnis of the Spectrum News app and uh, BMAC. This has kind of become your little niche here. You're the, you're the closer here in the rotation of co-hosts throughout the week. Uh, and so welcome back to another Friday edition. Hey, man. Thank you. I, always happy to uh, help you mop up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, closer is a very important role in these days of the game of baseball. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of baseball chatter uh, later on. Of course, we'll have our best and worst to uh, close things up. We do want to send a congratulations to our man, Rob DeMello, because the Angels finally won a game. Amazing. And, yes. And so that streak is over. And so, yeah, I guess... The curse is over? I don't know. If anybody who's been listening to the show understands, Keegan Ota has some strange power over the universe. And so basically he cursed somehow uh, Rob DeMello's favorite team, the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. Since he levied that curse, they had lost 14 straight, a franchise record. Uh, Joe Madden, their manager, got fired. Uh, this has just been an absolute disaster for a team that was atop the division. They were they were well above 500, uh, and it has just been a tanking time. Now Mike Trout's hurt. Several other key players in the lineup have been banged up along the way. Uh, and so this has just been a disaster. Rob can feel okay that the streak is over, but Keegan, I turn to you. Is the curse over should i be nice to rob the mellow or not all right well that's the should question should i be in that no you know what you know what i will say it's partially over because okay. of the one win okay i'm okay. not gonna say they're gonna w go on a winning streak okay i will say they will get to 500 at some point okay within right. the next few games no wait i have to interject because i consider myself at least among the three of us here in the studios the foremost authority on local sports jinxes and curses ah, this is an interesting dynamic being played out here. so uh, I, I totally missed the boat on keegan being the the cause okay. of this angels okay. futility so so let's uh we we have framed brian mckinnis's superpowers as well and it is interesting that now we are in this position where two of the individuals who i consider to be uh the most uh, villainous when it comes to their ability to negatively impact the world of sports both near and far and so for keegan ota to be able to count it down from a commercial break while rob demello's here on headset in the studio and we are talking about how great it's going to be to see the Angels in the postseason with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. And as he is counting us back in, Keegan goes, you're back in five, four, three. The Angels are going to blow it. And then we're like back on the air. We can't really react to it in the same way that we otherwise would. Uh, and then the Angels obviously uh, go on this crazy losing streak. We are hopefully going to hear from Rob via the phone line because I do want you guys to at least somehow uh, ho'oponopono this thing, man. And, and, and maybe uh, the Angels can, like you said, at least get back to respectability uh, after this 14 game 500 is where it stops just but, by the way but you've you've heard it keegan we've talked about it on this show even when billy was in a couple of days ago we talked a little bit about the powers of brian mckinnis as what is known uh, by his alias the red jinx and that's because you know he's a ginger guy he uh he's, he he looks a little like the notre dame mascot i've always told you that yep. uh, but you do have this ability uh to uh, put the, as my Portuguese aunties would say, cubrants 
on some of the sports festivities that are at hand. So uh, how are you digesting what Keegan Ota is being credited with having done as far as his impact on the L.A. Angels of Anaheim? You know, well, thank you for spelling out that moment of of Keegan putting the hex on the Angels because I had missed that in real time. Gotcha. So gotcha. I am now up to speed. I'm yes. caught up. And th that's not bad as an example of, you know, someone just absolutely, you know, putting themselves into a situation as far as something uh, perhaps a little supernatural happening. But uh, I need to see body of work. I, I think that's <laughs> important here. So I, I am yet to be fully convinced of, of Keegan's prowess in this arena. I, I, I love how there's almost this like competitiveness and two guys who we are sort of crediting as being jinxes are now kind of having to like flex on each other. Like, all right, well, who's more of a jinx? Who has the longer, <laughs> more prestigious jinx resume over the years? Uh, this is uh, up for debate. This is going to be an interesting discussion. Fridays have all of a sudden turned very unique uh, and, and, and interesting here, I think at the Paxa Studios, ESPN, Honolulu. 296-1420 is the number to call. Again, we might hear from Rob a little bit later on. He's, he's kind of doing some stuff, but uh, did want to call in and at least address Keegan after the Angels finally broke through. But, alas, uh, we want to switch gears because we do have Brian McInnes, and as mentioned, he is a sports writer with the Spectrum News app. And a story that you just posted, actually, like minutes before we went on the air yeah. regarding the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex, of course, now the de facto home of the University of Hawaii football team, 9,000 seat facility because of the uh, condemning of Aloha Stadium. Uh, UH football had to find a home. It was one of the quickest turnarounds over the course of an offseason where they were able to retrofit that facility to at least have a playing surface that met NCAA requirements, to at least have you know, multiple thousands of seats uh, and room for spectators to take in the action. Uh, at least some of the accoutrements that are usually there for a college football facility. Uh, and there was some talk after that quick turnaround to be able to establish that as Hawaii's home last season, that maybe they would look into expansion here for this upcoming year and maybe even further expansion in the sequential years after that. But you have a story that actually strikes uh, very uh, close to what that plan has now evolved into. First off, where can people read this thing and, and, and give us a little bit of the gist? Yeah, no, thanks for the setup, uh, Kanoa. It's, it, like you said, it, it went on in, in a matter of minutes ago before us going on the air. Um, it's, it's about the planned expansion of the current 9,000-seat capacity to what had been envisioned going up to about 16 or 17,000 in what UH was calling Phase 2 of its multi-year build-out of the, you know, kind of a makeshift facility given how rapidly their traditional home of Aloha Stadium, as you said, you know, was condemned and a moratorium placed on future events. So UH was in a tough spot. And like you said, they they did a lot with a little time last offseason with about $9.3 million, give or take a million dollars, uh, of of kind of redirected money within the UH capital uh, improvement project uh, system as well as some fundraising money they they had so um, maybe there was there was a hope in some corners that they could do kind of a similar almost like miraculous you know extension of that this summer but uh, that has proven not to be the case there there's you know kind of worldwide increases in costs in, in supply chain and in building material costs and construction costs. And uh, I think some of that is unfortunately caught up with UH here. David Matlin, the athletic director, was good enough to sit down with me this week. And um, Stephen Sai, I will note, uh, my former colleague at the Star Advertiser, uh, did previously report that the seating would not increase. 
Um, I, I tried to, you know, delve a little further and, and things like the Aloha Stadium scoreboard that UH has wanted to import to the Ching Complex since the start of their mm -hmm. their refurbishments here. Uh, that will not happen this this off season. It'll it'll take at least one more year. David Matlin hopes 2023 that they would have to build some housing. Uh, you know, there's steel and other materials they would have to bring in to make that happen. And uh, yeah, so basically, bottom line, folks, the TC Ching Complex will exist in its current form for the 2022 football season that begins August 27th against Vanderbilt, seven home dates. And at least this time, you know, full capacity allowed, uh, full season long, knock on wood, that there's no uh, re-implementing of mm -hmm. any kind of COVID restrictions. And there will be concessions and yeah. everything that made the Island Day and Spring Game fun in April. Yeah, the, the utilization of Les Murakami Stadium as uh, maybe a pregame venue to at least gather together, maybe open those concession stands. There will be a, a lot more liveliness, at least with the fingers crossed that there isn't some kind of resurgence, as you're talking about, of the COVID restrictions. Uh, but as far as that that video screen and the additional scoreboard because there is just basically the one right, right. that is sort of on that malka corner yep. of clarence tc ching athletic complex uh, do you know the details as to like how the configuration of the additional scoreboard and video screen uh, where that would have gone and all that i my understanding kanoa is that it would have been like kitty corner from that the, the board that they installed prior to last season you know obviously it's much bigger mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know if you're if you're like looking straight up at that thing from the ground I, I have to imagine it's two three four times as big as that one they installed uh, last season so um, that would be a pretty extensive addition to the chin complex and uh, you know with with the funding issues as I said the uh, uh, materials costs they, they just couldn't swing it this year there was no legislative money given to them specifically for the chin complex I think there was some hope that they would get some they did get like 7.2 million dollars in general funding to the athletic department that had been missing and even was doubled uh, this year, at least for fiscal year 2023. Uh, but none of that was specifically for the Chin Complex. So uh, UH is at a, uh, a bit of a uh, standstill here at the moment. All right. So uh, once again, it is the Friday edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa he's sitting across from Brian McInnes of the Spectrum News app, sports writer there. Of course, you can download that app. You can get all kinds of Spectrum News content, uh, Brian's uh, content, as well as links to Spectrum Sports broadcasts. Um, we are coming to you from the PAXA studios here at ESPN Honolulu. Uh, and if you want to call in, you can do so. You can text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line 296-1420. Uh, so it'll be as is here for this upcoming season, mm -hmm. at least. Uh, there is the grander plan to expand, and, and that was more of an incremental plan. Mm -hmm. We are still very much uncertain, and, and, and the idea of what's going to happen as far as this new Aloha Stadium Entertainment District project, like that is very much still in the ether. Yeah. There is nothing that is tangible yet that we can look at as far as even establishing a potential timeline as to when or if at all that is going to be built. Uh, and so has David Matlin, in your discussions with him, has he talked about long-term for that Clarence T.C. Uh, Ching Athletic Complex? Like, what is the uh, vision, at least as far as the potential is concerned, of how large you can possibly make that thing? Like, is there an aspiration to just go ahead and maybe make that the stadium for UH football? I don't think we're there yet. Uh, in our discussion this week, David Matlin made pretty clear that he does still fully expect UH to 
make its permanent home back probably in Halava where they, they have said they're going to build the NASED project. Uh, granted, we have not yet seen a request for proposal for the for the stadium which was supposed to happen i believe last year and mm -hmm. then and then like january of this year and then it got you know pushed back again and um i did some reporting on that at the time how it, the project as a whole is kind of at a crossroads um and we've heard very little uh, if anything since then um david matlin you know has tried to remain in touch with those guys uh but he, even he could not say like where exactly along it is and that said, he does expect to, to have a full stadium facility to return to. Now, it's funny, in retrospect, like, <laughs> things how things work in Hawaii. I mean, when UH was first forced <laughs> to play at its campus home, we were talking about, like, three years at its campus home. Now yeah. we're going into year two, and this new stadium project is... The old Aloha Stadium's still there. It's still there. We're, Demolition isn't scheduled till next year, right? Right, in theory. Yeah, in theory. yeah. Uh, everything's in theory with this, <laughs> this, this project. Uh, <laughs> and so UH has to be, you know, David Matlin did not say, like, yeah, we're, we're expecting to be here for five, six, seven years now. But you have to imagine, I mean, is that the best case scenario for a new stadium to be constructed constructed from this point out? We're talking, you know, 2027, 2028, beyond perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So UH, I think it probably behooves them to build out the Shin Complex as best they can in the interim uh, or beyond. And uh, the Phase 2 project would call for expanding the Mackay seating all the way out to the uh, Duke Honomoku Aquatic Complex, like right to the edge there. There's some sand courts that yeah. I, either they would build, replace, or build over. And uh, it would kind of double the height of the current Mackay seating that they installed this past summer where those suites are. There's about a dozen suites where hmm. VIPs can, can take in the game. And I believe those suites would remain, and they would just build out and past it with some possible concessions in those oh, uh, Mackay sideline stands. Uh, yeah, so, and I, I think... Uh, according to what uh, Dave told me, that that would expand the overall capacity to sixteen, seventeen thousand. And and you could go pretty high up, I would imagine, on on the right. facade of that seating, especially with the athletic complex sort of working as a barrier there for you, almost like a support wall <laughs> to some degree. Uh, and that's I think comforting. what's what's good about that side as well is that's away from the sun. I mean, you're you're not facing the sun when you're sitting on that side at time of kickoff which is usually just after 6 p.m. Uh, and so you know we're on the press box side and it's like we're wearing sunglasses because we're staring right into the sun it's not necessarily up for very long into the game uh, but yeah that would be beneficial I think for uh, that level of added seating uh, because you're kind of in a more comfortable place as far as your vantage point is concerned and I don't know maybe if you make that thing high enough you actually provide some shade uh, from the sun for people across the way yeah, I mean, those are all pluses. And I, I believe the NCAA FBS seating minimum is 15,000 to, to ha consider yourselves an FBS program, Division yes. One program. I, I believe that you have to, the, the average, Rolling average has to be, yeah, over, right. a, over a three-year period usually is the measurement. I think COVID mm -hmm. has thrown all of that askew, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, there will be some forgiveness uh, I think given to two programs that are sort of making that adjustment and remeasuring and certainly the University of Hawaii would hope that there is an exception made uh, because of the situation with Aloha Stadium. But yeah, so building that out is going to be important. I think when you talk about uh, building out uh, some other areas of that complex, you know, the thing that you run into, the, the, what's going to be a, a bit more difficult is you, know, you talk about taking away some of the sand courts, and those aren't the, the sand courts that are utilized for actual competition. Usually right. those are the ones that are in that corner, right? That kind of Malka corner opposite 
the scoreboard, uh, basically that other corner uh, down uh, that, that near sideline of the field. That's where they play most of the sand volleyball competitions. That's a women's program, right? And you talk about maybe moving the track and, and, and you know, trying to get seats that are closer to the field so that you can fit more people. You know, that's a women's program. And so you run into some of those obstacles because you have to still comply with Title IX. Uh, you have to then have... Uh, contingency plans for where do you put those if you are going to try to build this thing out uh, to a more substantial level uh, you know I just had the brainstorming idea we were talking before we went on the air like that little pond that's by the grass <laughs> practice field like what if you just filled that in and you could put the the sand volleyball courts there I mean maybe that's that's something that that you can do as far as the relocation of of that particular playing surface uh, but the track is a tricky thing to negotiate here under these circumstances yeah, no, I, I think some of this could take some radical thinking, yeah. like out of the box ideas, like filling in that that <laughs> pond that was, you know, I remember from my time dorming at Gateway House, looking down on that thing and <laughs> thinking the last thing I wanted to do was ever swim in it. But uh, man, it's, uh, you know, I do not envy the the task at hand for those guys, yeah. and, uh, trying to figure this thing out in in the uh, in the years ahead because uh, we're, we're, we are looking at a multi year project still to you know, achieve some of these even interim goals that yeah. they want to have. And we're just talking about the logistical questions. Like the other question, the biggest one is expense. And, and where is, is the funding for all of that going to come from? But it is a challenge, and I do not envy David Matlin uh, nor David Lassner or any of the other administrators who have been involved with this thing. I do give them kudos for what was, I thought, one of the more impressive things that they did initially in just retrofitting mm -hmm. that facility and just making it playable, uh, as you alluded to, here in this place, that this this wonderful paradise that is Hawaii, unfortunately, uh, there is some uh, bureaucracy when projects of this magnitude are trying to be executed, and that was one of those rare instances last off-season under very dire and desperate circumstances where it seemed like everybody in an administrative position with the University of Hawaii and everybody that was pitching in to try to make that thing happen, they were aligned and the canoe was moving together and everyone was paddling in unison and what a wonderful thing that was and you can kind of see exactly how these projects under those kinds of circumstances can come to fruition. A lot more work is left to do. Check out uh, BMAC story, Brian McInnes, if you download the Spectrum News app. We're going to take a break when we come back Jocelyn Alo finishing on top. How incredible was that yesterday? You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. Welcome back. Coming to you from the PAXA studios here at ESPN Honolulu. Let's Talk Sports Friday edition. Kanoa Leahy sitting across from BMAC, Brian McInnes of the Spectrum News app. Well, yesterday was pretty special, and we've been talking about this uh, really almost on the daily since the Women's College Softball World Series began in Oklahoma City because it's just such a wonderful story, and that is this Oklahoma Sooners team, just absolutely dominant. I mean, they're like the 27 Yankees. They're just, you know, they're they're the MJ Bulls. I mean, they're, they're up there as one of the greatest teams of any team sport that we have ever seen, I think in terms of their overall dominance, and just so happens that at the core of it, the epicenter, there is a Hawaii girl, a Hola native, a Campbell grad in Jocelyn Alo, whose college career is officially over, and boy, did she go out in style. Wasn't her best offensive performance at the plate yesterday, uh, managed just one hit, but um, this was a moment that I think was just so grand uh, because of the fact that her head coach, put her in the field, in the outfield, in that last inning. Yeah, she was usually the designated player, which is the softball equivalent of the designated hitter. But she was out in the field. She says she practices out there, uh, so it wasn't a big deal for her. She made a couple of pullout, uh, putouts. And then with 
two outs in the uh, two outs in the inning and, and just one out away from the game being sealed they pulled her off of the field to allow her to get this uh, incredible unmatched ovation for who will go down as one of the if not the uh, greatest college softball hitter of all time so uh what was your impression of the way that thing all came together for Jocelyn Allo. Oklahoma defeating Texas. Uh, they go 2-0 and in that final best of three series. Uh, they win their second straight national championship, and Jocelyn Allo gets the hero treatment on the way out. Man, short of, like, her hitting a walk-off home run to win the Women's College World Series, that's, like, as close to a storybook start-to-finish capper to a legend, already legendary career that you could draw up. I mean... She, she did it all year long, 34 home runs, has set the NCAA career uh, home run record, as we know, right here at Rainbow Wahine Softball yeah. Stadium in front of her friends and family. I mean, just that alone, you, you can't make that up. And then for her to just, like, finish her se senior year batting 515, like a 65% on-base percentage, just, like, ridiculous Stupid. video game numbers. Stupid. And uh, be named the uh, Women's College World Series Most Outstanding Player um, an honor I don't believe she got last year, right? Correct. Um, <laughs> you know, and just her, for her to get interviewed on the field, uh, get that send-off with two outs, like you said, Kanoa, um, magical stuff. I mean, just, just awe-inspiring. Yeah. Uh, when you look at her career numbers, like, this is, this is crazy. So two-time national champ, as you mentioned, the Women's College World Series MVP award here in 2022, two-time USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year, 122 career home runs. 280 runs, 323 career runs batted in, 776 total bases in her career, and her career slugging percentage, 990. <laughs> Guys, 990. That is just absurd. Uh, this is a career that it was like no other, and, and I don't know if we're ever necessarily going to see anything like that. And it was just kind of cool, the fact that at the core of this incredibly talented uh, and dominant Oklahoma team was this girl from Hawaii, and, and it, it played out better than you could have ever scripted. And the fact that you watch all of the national talk shows on ESPN and, and Fox and everywhere else this morning, and they're all talking about it. And they're talking about her. Uh, and so it, it leads you to believe that she might have just put in uh, maybe the greatest Hawaii-born collegiate career that we've ever seen. I mean, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here. Like, she may be number one on that list when you're talking about athletes from Hawaii based just solely on their college careers. Uh, if you were to put a Mount Rushmore together, let's say, of, of the four tops in that category, Hawaii-born collegiate athletes, the top, Jocelyn Alo might be number one. I think you'd have to go Marcus Mariota by virtue of the fact that he played in a national championship game. He won the Heisman Trophy. Again, we're not counting professional. We're not counting high school. This is just focused on the college career themselves. Um, who else is on that? Who else is on your Mount Rushmore? Well, first, yeah, I mean, finish chiseling in Jocelyn in, like, in the George Washington slot. <laughs> yes, that's right. Like yeah. at the head of, the, yes. of this, uh, you know, uh, mythical Mount Rushmore of Hawaii college athletes. Um, yeah, Marcus is a, is a great pick. You know, after that, you really kind of have to start to think and maybe go back a little further. You know, um, our, our friend Christian Shimabuku threw out uh, Derek Tatsuno. Uh, that's a really uh, when good I spoke one. to him yesterday about this this very thing. Uh, you know, so, so Derek 
yeah, I mean, he, he was fantastic back in his heyday. And um, sh shoot, I mean, it, I don't know. Jocelyn is just like so much clearly at, at the head of this class. Like, who else would you toss Yeah, I, you know, Derek Tatsuno is a, a good one I mean, because he's a college baseball Hall of Fame, like arguably the greatest college pitcher ever, right? And at a time where he was just throwing all kinds of, of, uh, of complete games and and. and compiling innings and, and all of that stuff. He was just so dominant. So, yeah, I think that's a great one. I actually would go so far as to, to put Derek Tatsuno as another uh, face on that Mount Rushmore, which leaves one more spot. And then you're, you're right. It starts to get tricky because how much do you measure the stage that they're on, right? I mean, you could talk about Tua winning a national championship and just being this superstar of another stratosphere. You can talk about Manti Teo, who was very much in a similar position in his time at Notre Dame. Uh, but then you have perhaps athletes of, you know, sports that don't get the same kind of mainstream media traction. Eric Shoji, right. uh, you could argue, right? I mean, people have said he's, he's the, the greatest libero uh, of all time to this point. He has an off-the-block award named after him for the best libero in college volleyball. Um, you have guys like Travis Lee, who's a St. Louis alum, who won two national championships in wrestling. I mean, those kinds of athletes and those kinds of stories are out there. Uh, and so that last one is a really, really tricky one. If anybody has any suggestions there, 296-1420, the number to call. You can hit us up on the Zephyr Insurance text line, 296-1420. We do have a caller on the line here. It's Paul, I believe, with a question about Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. Oh, hi, Kanoa. What's up? Uh, well, Friday to all. How you doing? Hey, same to you. First of all, uh, how you doing? Good times, good times, man. Uh, games, a lot of sports going on. Uh, I, I have a comment about Jocelyn. I can just see the uh, Jeopardy question. In 2022, this state hosted the at, an athlete that um, uh, out of state provided back-to-back -back championships <laughs> and their own volleyball team. <laughs> you can't say that. And, and a team from uh, an in-state school won also back-to-back -back, yeah. uh, championships. You have 30 seconds. Good luck. Yeah, that's anyway, a good one. Um, we got so, TC Chinks, I've got Brian is there. Uh, can I ask, you know, can't Hawaii get some kind of exception being that uh, we're, we're a small state and we just, we're just the victim of government uh, lethargic, lethargy? Lethargy, uh, yeah. Lethargy. Uh, I can't, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's something, Brian, or, you know, some one of you guys can just group together, investigate, report this, but if there's some kind of exception that can be made um i'll listen up here thanks thanks guys thanks for the call paul yeah paul um you know i i know hawaii has been granted an exception to this point for the that fifteen thousand capacity minimum um i believe it applied and was granted one when this situation first came about so i think it's okay in in the interim in this moment um, I don't know if, if that's something they could get in perpetuity while they have to play at, at the TC Chin Complex until at least they can build it out to, as me and Kanoa were talking about earlier, 16, perhaps 17,000 capacity would, would take a kind of significant addition to what they have going right now. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting question, Paul. I mean, I, I think they've been put in a, a place through no fault of their own, really, uh, a, tough, um, a tough corner that they've made the best of to this point. And um, I, I have to imagine they, they'd get some leeway, but then again, with the NC2A, it, <laughs> you never know for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate the call, Paul. We're going to go ahead and uh, take a break. Now, we have, I think we're in agreement on three of the four faces on our Mount Rushmore of Hawaii-born collegiate 
athletes, all right? They were just focused on the college careers of these individuals. Jocelyn Allo is numero uno after what she's accomplished, uh, two-time national champ and, and just breaking records left and right. I think we're in agreement that Marcus Mariota has to get the nod by virtue of the fact that he won the Heisman Trophy, played in a national championship game at Oregon. Uh, I think we're in agreement on Derek Tatsuno, right? Mm -hmm. Christian Shimabuku, our, our boy from KHON, uh, he suggested that one. I think that's a solid one. Uh, who's number four? We got to put one on. Think about that. We'll take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. All right, welcome back. Let's Talk Sports coming to you from the PAXA studios here, ESPN Honolulu. Kanoa Leahy sitting across from Spectrum News app sports writer Brian McKinnis. That's right, BMAC in the house. Uh, we have been getting uh, via the Zephyr Insurance text line a lot of really good suggestions, a couple of people calling in. Uh, we are trying to complete our Mount Rushmore of Hawaii-born collegiate Athletes. They didn't have to just play college at the University of Hawaii. This is just based on their college careers, wherever those took place. Uh, this is obviously in light of what Jocelyn Alo has done uh, on that grand stage as a champion, as a record holder, as really the GOAT, I think, in the eyes of most. Uh, we also have uh, on that list uh, what was a, a, a suggestion of Derek Tatsuno from Christian Shimabuko. I think that's a pretty good one, even though he didn't necessarily win a championship. He is considered widely as, as maybe the greatest college pitcher of all time. Uh, Marcus Mariota's probably got to be there, right, by virtue of the fact that he won the Heisman, played in a national championship game. Uh, and I know that uh, the guy that we are going to welcome uh, to the program via the phone line now for a quick hit uh, will maybe have an opinion on this as well. And so you might know who we are about to introduce because it has been a bit of a, a turbulent soap opera uh, with uh, regard to this guy's favorite baseball team, the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. Uh, I believe that the curse was put on them by our own Keegan Ota working the board. Uh, they had lost 14 straight games until last night. That was a franchise record losing streak. Shohei Otani put on his superhero cape last night through 100 pitches, over 100 miles an hour uh, at times, and they were able to finally break the streak. And so uh, let's welcome to the show KHON2 sports director via the phone line, Rob DeMello. Robbie, what's up? What's up? What's up, Kanoa? BMAC, BMAC, my word old brother. That, I, uh, <laughs> that every every uh, night at about uh, midnight or you know a few minutes past, uh, we uh, send each other our uh, our completed wordle, and uh, yeah, that's a that's my only way of staying in touch with BMAC every single day is uh, by by doing our wordle together. <laughs> well, there, there's nothing suspect about. Two grown men texting each other after midnight <laughs> every night like clockwork. <laughs> well, the best, the best is I'm sitting on the couch like we were like watching a show. My my wife and my wife will ask me. It would be like 12:15. She's like, "Did you text BMAC yet?" <laughs> so. Well, um, imagine my dismay. I'm sitting here also, um, who I thought a Wordle partner <laughs> of BMAC. He would send me his Wordle. Uh, solutions, and I thought we had kind of something special, and I realized you've just been behind my back, wordling <laughs> with other men, and, uh, and know, it's, it's pretty upsetting. You know, there's a thing called group text, BMAC. <laughs> <laughs> I am a wordle philanderer. <laughs> <laughs> Which, ironically, is a word that wouldn't fit in wordle. All right, um, 
Rob, we got to just take care of this housekeeping here real quick because I do want to get your opinion on this Mount Rushmore uh, topic. But uh, we, we need to open up the mic here for Keegan Ota. Rob, what do you have to say to Keegan? He has destroyed the Angels' season, at least to this point. Uh, everything was going so swimmingly, and now Mike Trout's hurt. All these other guys are hurt. They're, they're just hanging on for dear life. They've lost their manager. Uh, Shohei is the superhero last night to end the losing streak, but uh, my has the complexion of the season change. What do you have to say to Keegan? Keegan, uh, I want to hear your response. Okay, Keegan, the only thing I want to say is I, I hope you were able to see, and you've seen me a couple times since this all started, since you put the curse on the Angels, just how much pain you have caused, okay? Taylor Ward is, Ward is hurt. Mike Trout is hurt. Anthony Rendon is hurt. Joe Madden doesn't have a job now, all right? They've gone from first place in the AL West to now nine games back. And Okay, so, so dude, just, for, just think about the good that you could do in this world if you use these powers for good, okay? So let this be the last bad thing that you use these powers for. Let this be the last thing, okay? You proved your point. You are amazing, and you can make – Crazy things happen, but let's only try and do good things from now on, okay? What do you respond I, with, I, here, Keegan? I, I would like to point out that this was this was this was only just a one-time thing. I couldn't call much other things other than the Angels just going away. I did not predict a 14-game losing streak, but I reveled in it. I oh, was living this. for it. Sorry, I am an agent of chaos. You know, uh, wow. ever since I started with Kanoa's show, you know this. I am an agent of chaos, yes. and Kanoa knows this. Rob now knows this. So, Rob, I will give you a little bit of a blessing, if you will, because although they go <laughs> against the Mets, although they get, go against the Angels, you are going to go against the Seattle Mariners five in a row, the Royals three in a row after that, and again against the Mariners three in a row. So I will predict for you, Rob, an 11-game win streak. Whoa! Whoa! Just for you, Mr. DeMello, <laughs> since... I like an 11-game winning streak against Seattle and Kansas City. Seattle eight times, Kansas City three times. And that's wow. where the buck will stop <laughs> because you will lose. the reversal. However, against the Mets and against the Dodgers, they will get swept. But Wait, it'll all – hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, are we going through the entire season schedule now? No, 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 no. I, I, I'm only going to point out through this part of the season. They will go 0-5 first. After this Ooh. win, they will go 0-5. Hold on. And then they will go 11-win <laughs> streak after that. All right, Ugh, Rob, I guess you feel better. <laughs> All right, well, and for anyone listening, if you're going to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's I right. Mean, Go with the opposite of me. <laughs> we, have just, we have just made our picks. Uh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, number one rock solid pick right there. All right, um, Rob, I, I imagine you feel a little bit better, but it was kind of disturbing to hear just how much Keegan reveled in the uh, yeah, suffering of your angels. It's, it's almost like a really sociopathic It was thing fun watching Twitter. Just all, That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I really thought I was going to hear, like, a, like a, I'm sorry. No, none of that. No. Yeah, no, not at all. No, none of that. And, you know, this is Keegan's one cursing highlight. We remind you, Rob, that we have BMAC in the house, and he has a lifelong resume of being a jinx. So I, I'm oh, not sure yeah. where we go from here. For yeah, once, yeah. I'm just it, relieved that it's not being put on me, <laughs> like, for the first time in my sports writing career. That's right. All I got is, hey, Kanoa, you're surrounded right now by BMAC and Keegan. I hope you, like, are wrapped in a bubble or hey, something. I, I, I'm, I'm taking a COVID test right after this. <laughs> just because. Just because. Wow. Cause. <laughs> just because. Uh, all right, I, Rob. I, I have a feeling we need to now jinx the Mets for some <laughs> oh, reason. Oh, my gosh. Uh oh. Oh, my gosh. Cut off the now mic. Cut off Keegan's mic. 
That's terrible. That's a terrible thing to say, King, and that's very hurtful. Um, all right, Rob, I know you have opinions on this. Uh, we have a few minutes left before we got to take a break. Uh, we were getting some interesting suggestions for that fourth spot, or at least what, what BMAC and I have determined to be the fourth spot of our Mount Rushmore of Hawaii-born collegiate athletes. So we have Jocelyn Alo, Marcus Mariota, Derek Tatsuno. We got some suggestions. Herman Wiedemeyer was one while we were away at break. Uh, somebody suggested uh, Kurt Suzuki, who was a national championship uh, uh, champion as well. Um, there has been a suggestion of Tom Kulukukui, who was right. Hawaii's first All-American. Uh, do you have an opinion on where you would go with that fourth slot on our Mount Rushmore? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Kurt is a that's a solid pick just because yes, he won a national championship. He also won a, the Bench Award uh, as the the nation's top catcher. Yeah, Brooks Wallace uh, Award winner too. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, so I definitely would throw him in there. But then uh, another uh, suggestion is what about like a Taylor Crab, mm. who was a national player of the year, multiple-time All-American. You know, you could even throw like an Eric Shoji in there. Yeah, that name came up. Um, so, I, you know, I think that, that the criteria, because – uh, you got to level the playing field a little bit. Is I mean, this person has to be. I, I feel like a national player of the year in their respective sport would kind of put you there, right? That's Marcus. That's Jocelyn. Um, you know, uh, Taylor Crab, Brad, Brad Lawson, uh, right? Uh, Spen did Spencer McLaughlin win national player of the year? Uh, no, I don't believe he was a national player of the year award winner. But you know, yeah. the other the other factor that has to be considered. Brian, we were talking a little bit about this, is like how much do you weigh just accomplishment, right, and just the straight accomplishment of championships or player of the year honors versus also the stage on which you competed, how much your career resonated because maybe you played a sport that was more sort of mainstream transmitted to the masses. Uh, so, like, would you consider a guy like Tua or Manti Teo? Would those factor in just because of the grand nature uh, and, and the grand conditions under which they played? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like the Hall of Fame, right, too, right? They, I mean, it's how how much of an impact did you make? And so it, it doesn't necessarily have to go to the individual accomplishments. Manti, you know, that's one because if you look at it, that 2012 season, even though he finished second in the Heisman, I remember the statistic at that time that it was the single most decorated season by a college football player individually because of all of the other awards that he won, and then you add the All-American and, and, and all that, or, or uh, most decorated uh, defensive player, mm -hmm. sorry, is what yeah. I should say, um, by the uh, number of awards that he won. And so, I mean, that's kind of a trailblazing uh, experience right there. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, that there's a lot of options uh, with that number four spot, and I don't think that you can go wrong with, with one of them. But if, if I had to pick one. Yeah, you got to pick one. I am going to go with Kurt Suzuki. Oh, all right. Well, Kurt Suzuki making the Mount Rushmore. BMAC, and do you have put, an opinion? And that puts two baseball guys on mine. That's so right. That's big. right. Oh, yeah, big surprise there. Do you have one, uh, BMAC? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, we d we already do have some football representation with Marcus. Correct. Right? But um, I, I, I kind of like the Tom Kalukukui, like going back to the, what, the, the 1930s, their first All-American at yeah. the University of Hawaii. Um and I don't know if he gets any bonus points. He went on to become the head coach at the University <laughs> of Hawaii. I mean, that's that's collegiate in some ways. So I don't know. It's it's a tough call no matter what way you go. I mean, it, it, it'd be okay in my, my book with two baseball guys on there, given how much tradition 
there there is and talent coming out of Hawaii that has tran transcended to the uh, collegiate ranks um, from our state. But I, I don't I don't know. There's just so many until somebody I think establishes themselves to the the, the extent that Jocelyn Alo has, which is undeniable, an unbelievable yeah. bar to hit. I mean. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a little nebulous on that, maybe that final spot. I kind of like the Herman Wiedemeyer suggestion, to be honest, right? St. Louis alum uh, played halfback at St. Mary's, has the, the jersey retired up uh, in McKeon Pavilion in Moraga, finished fourth in the Heisman Trophy in 1945, inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1979. He was Hawaii's first consensus All-American football player. I think I might be going with... Uh, with old Herman Wiedemeyer, who also then went on to like become a uh, famous actor on Hawaii Five-0. So I know that that's not part of the criteria, but just a, a little aside. Uh, hey, Robbie, congrats on the Angels ending the losing streak. I'm not sure what's going to happen with all of Keegan's predictions here going forward, but uh, hopefully that 11-game winning streak is somewhere in the cards. But uh, hey, best to you and the family, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Right on. Have a great weekend, guys. Aloha. All right. See you. See you later. Best and worst. When we come back, let's talk sports. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Coming to you from the Paxa Studios here, ESPN, Honolulu, Kanoa-Lay. Uh, you know, when you stumble on your own name, you know that it's a Friday. Uh, sitting across from Brian McInnes of the Spectrum News app, I think we are at an agreement on most of our Mount Rushmore, Hawaii-born collegiate careers. Jocelyn Alo, certainly there. Marcus Mariota, certainly there. They seem to be the staples. I think most people are agreeing with Derek Tatsuno. Uh, and I have on mine Herman Wiedemeyer. You decided to go Tommy Kolukukui? I'm not, I'm not oh, still like... Okay. You know, it's, the show's not, almost over. It's not chiseled yet in, <laughs> okay. in this Mount Rushmore of ours. Okay, all right. Uh, we still have a few minutes if anybody wants to uh, get in uh, some opinions on that. But it is the fourth quarter of this show, uh, so it is time for our best and worst. BMAC, what's your best? All right, well, I got the fact that uh, Steph Curry will play in Game 4 of the NBA Finals for uh, the Golden State Warriors, who, you know, looked a little shellacked there near the end of Game 3, and, and Steph kind of kind of crumpled in, mm -hmm. in a fashion that was a little disconcerting looked potentially troublesome for his availability coming into this game for uh the the C's are favored by 4 uh which would put them up 3 games to 1 if they uh, won again on their home court so just for the sake of a competitive series I am looking forward to uh, Mr. Curry getting back in there and hopefully lighting it up a little bit. Yeah, because it was a similar type of foot injury that kept him out for like a month earlier this season. And so if it was a re-aggravation somehow of that or if it was as serious as that, that would be a wrap for the Warriors. The accounts are that during shoot-around today, uh, he looked good. So uh, that's something to be uh, happy about, certainly if you're a Warriors fan. All right, my best, uh, Point Loma becoming the first PacWest Conference baseball team to advance to the NCAA D2 National Championship final. They beat Rollins earlier today in an elimination game in the tournament and are now playing top seed North Greenville today as well, 1 p.m. Hawaii time, as a matter of fact. Sea Lions have to defeat North Greenville twice in order to win the title, but of course the PacWest Conference, home to Hawaii Hilo, Hawaii Pacific University, Chaminade. You have the Vulcans and the Sharks who play baseball in the PacWest, so they are part of this conference. They've played against Point Loma, and the commissioner, of course, is former KHON Sports Director Bob Hogue, commissioner of that league. So uh, congrats to the PacWest, and uh, good luck to Point Loma. All right, what's your worst? All right, I'll stick on basketball. Uh, Hoops, my old favorite pastime, and I will go with Amy Atwell getting waved mm. 
uh, by the Los Angeles Sparks of the WNBA. Amy had uh, appeared in four games after her prolific senior year, uh, getting drafted number 27 overall, third-round pick by the Sparks. Uh, who are at a bit of a um, you know revamp, revamping roster situation. They also got rid of Derek Fisher, their coach, mm. on the same day as Amy got waived uh, earlier this week. So um, maybe she'll get picked up. Uh, she cleared waivers, I believe, and she does have the Perth Lynx contract to play for in the WBL and uh, WNBL back in her native Australia this fall. Yeah, that was definitely a bummer that she got cut. All right, we'll end it on my worst. Tony Larusa, White Sox manager, intentionally walking Dodger shortstop Trey Turner with a runner on second and a one and two count, two strikes in the count to have relief pitcher Bennett Sousa face Max Muncy instead, who has been struggling this year, but Muncy promptly hit a three-run homer to give the Dodgers a 10-5 lead. Tony LaRusa defended the move, said it wasn't a difficult choice. Trey Turner does have pretty good numbers in one and two counts this season. Still yet, you got two strikes against the guy, and then you decide to intentionally walk him? You don't see that very often. All right, it's been a fun week. Thanks to Keegan Ota. Thanks to BMAC. I'm Kanoa Leahy. We'll see you next week, everybody. Let's talk sports.